I think this division within the culture actually translates into how we interact with one another at church. We can't leave politics and our ideas about freedoms and economics and all that sort of stuff at the door. And so it does come into the conversation within the church. And so my experience with other uh, believers is faith in Christ foremost and often a bit of indifference or bewilderment over issues of politics. That was Dr. Heath Garris, Assistant Professor of Biology at Covenant College, describing some of the challenges to discussing potentially divisive topics such as policy on climate change with fellow Christians. Later this week, Covenant will host the annual Res Publica Lectures, a chance for the campus community to hear from distinguished guest speakers on contemporary issues. This year's topic? You guessed it. Climate change. This is Viewpoints, the official storytelling series of Covenant College, where we discuss some of the ideas and events that shape the educational experience at Covenant and how those experiences might pertain to the Christian life. I'm Shannon Moore, alumna, writer for the college, and your host for this episode. Heath, thanks for joining us. Would you like to introduce yourself and give a little background? Thanks, Shannon. It's, it's great to be here. So uh, I am not a climate scientist by training, although I'm trained in science and actually my research has touched on climate issues for a while now. So I was formerly trained as a wetland ecologist um, and I worked in the implications of global circulation models on habitat distribution in the Midwest. Really interesting research, but it was more along the lines of here's what the IPCC has produced, what are those implications for how we live our lives on a regional scale. Still not how I personally live my life, but what, what are our agricultural systems and habitats gonna look like in the future? Being an ecologist, Dr. Garris relies on the models and reports that the IPCC produces. IPCC stands for Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. The IPCC is the established authority on climate change models for the science community even Christian scientists like Dr. Garris. His findings and his study of cornfields in Nebraska have far-reaching implications for future food security. The, the one study that we did that was kind of on the largest scale was looking at um, a, a variety of these uh, future climate scenarios on the distribution of wetland habitats. And so wetlands are areas that are not wet all the time, they're wet some of the time, but they can pretty much be used as a flood risk model. Right. And so I was interested in wetland habitats and habitat distribution. What I wound up getting from these models that we produced was a flood risk assessment. And what we found is that the, the Corn Belt throughout the Midwest is an area that is slated for a higher frequency and intensity of floods under the majority of the future climate scenarios. Right. So uh, my research basically said, okay, well, if we take these models and we apply them to habitat distribution, uh, it, it looks like we're going to have to do some things, uh, probably in an anticipatory way, to deal with climate change to maintain uh, food production in in the Midwest. Right. So it was a it, you know it had some major food security implications for those climate scenarios. You mentioned that we might have a responsibility to this climate change. Uh, that seems to be a pretty controversial topic these days. I think both in culture and within the church. I think it might be helpful if you gave sort of a synopsis of some of the responses to the topic of climate change in the church right now. 
Yeah, so um, as I mentioned, I've been fairly interested in this issue for a while now. We can look at how perspectives within the church have paralleled or provided a, a contrast to those of the prevailing culture. And, and what we find is that uh, since the 1960s, there is at least some evidence that uh, Christian leaders have shared quite a bit of a common ground with uh, major environmental groups, at least in core convictions, which is that humanity has a responsibility to do something about the problems we cause for the rest of creation. Um, and that has not necessarily been taken up by the parishioners. Yeah. You know. Um, has, hasn't been uh, taken up by rank-and-file Christians. And so there's, there's been a lot of speculation as to whether or not this is the beginning of a wholesale transition in ethics within the church as it relates to the environment. It's not a transition away from biblical truth. It's a transition to adherence to biblical responsibilities for creation care. Um, so that's interesting, and as an environmental science, I'm hopeful that uh, this is something that's going to become uh, a more prominent component of our conversation about our responsibilities as image bearers in this time. Given the potentially divisive nature of this conversation, um, Heath, how do you think that we as Christians should engage these types of conversations? Oh, that's, that's a really good question. So the first thing I would recommend is to uh, look inwardly to determine whether you're looking for evidence to support a pre-existing position. So are you looking to confirm what you already believe or are you seeking truth? Um, that's a great question. I think this is an important thing that we should do. It's kind of my mantra for all knowledge. Um, but I think it's very important for subjects that are controversial and have been made controversial for numerous years, right? Um, uh, the second thing is that I would uh, consider where and how you get information. Who do you trust? And what sort of weight do you put on statements from those sources? I have to do this regularly not because I change which news sources I get information from, but because it's important to, to, to understand why I place my trust in, in those particular sources, right? As a scientist, I have a tendency to place my trust in the scientific literature, right? Because I have some faith with, with reasonable reservations in the peer review process, right? Um, and so I, yeah, I would recommend thinking about where news comes from. Um, I would also make a distinction between the science of climate change and what we should do about it. Right? Those are two fundamentally different questions. They are addressed usually by fundamentally different people with different expertise. Um, and when we mash it all together, um, it's where things get interesting. That's where the, the answers really are. But it's, it's more complicated there, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, just in, in my opinion, uh, the, the productive debate over climate change has moved from contested science to contested policy. It's not about whether or not it's happening and who's responsible. Uh, the debate that's going to go somewhere is about what we should do about it, right? And 
who are the winners and losers in that, that sort of scenario. Um, uh, and finally, I would say just throw some cold water on it. Um, so heated debates based on predetermined political positions are rarely persuasive to anyone um, and we're not called as Christians to sow derision. Um, so I'd say don't retweet or repost data unless you're willing to check its assumptions, right? So that goes back to where do you get your information? Um, so that's, that's, that's what I would say uh, going into this. First and foremost, what are you looking for? Are you looking for truth? Are you looking for a pat on the back for what you already think you know? I, I really think the tension is something that we are feeling translated through our culture. Um, if we were having a conversation about climate change outside of the U.S., it would probably be a different conversation. It may not actually be a heated debate. Uh, and so I think this division within the culture actually translates into how we interact with one another at church. We can't leave politics and our ideas about freedoms and economics and all that sort of stuff at the door. Um, and so it does come into the conversation within the church. And so my experience with other uh, believers is, um, you know, faith in Christ foremost and often a bit of indifference or bewilderment over uh, issues of, of politics. Uh, you're a Covenant grad. Uh, you've done the liberal arts thing, which by the way I love. Um, how did Covenant prepare you uniquely as a Christian seeking the preeminence of Christ in all things to deal with questions like, what do we do about climate change? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. You know, uh, in my hometown, I think the, the language of environmental concern was already so embedded in the cultural dialogue and there really was um, a great deal of public policy that kind of made those conservation efforts a lot easier for me and I, I don't really feel like I had to think about it a lot. But when I moved to the South to attend Covenant, I, I think in a lot of ways, I, perhaps by less policy and different emphasis on values in, in my community, I, I think I was less enabled to care for the environment. So I, I really did have to re-ask myself the question, should I care about this? Not only should I care about it, but should I try? And I, I think that there's a common experience between Covenant students um, that as we begin to explore all of the ideas and the systems that have shaped our world, we begin to feel somewhat overwhelmed by the gravity of brokenness. But thankfully at Covenant, we also believe that we are free to take off those blinders that keep us ignorant to the problems because we believe that Christ is powerfully equipping his people to be faithful and to respond to, to his commands. And so I think that a covenant education helped me be less afraid of all the responsibilities of the Christian life because I know that Christ really is emboldening me and his people for the work. And I think that a result of being less afraid um, has been that I'm, I'm more open to listening. I'm, I'm open to considering what, what, might be, what ideas might be out there and, and what, what ideas should impact how I live. And that's something really valuable that came out of my covenant experience, especially in 
such a polarized environment or, or culture that we're in, I, I really do feel like I'm able to to sit back and, and hear the arguments and uh, discern for myself what Christ is calling me to do. You struggled with the responsibility and the choice, mm-hmm. because I think one of the big issues in climate, in issues of global environmental problems, is that um, you and I, personally, are not going to solve this. And that's kind of off-putting for, mm-hmm. especially for, I don't know how you were raised, but how I was raised was, you know, go save the world. You know, we'll go do that. Um, and so that's, I see that's where our faith comes in. We're called to uh, honor Christ in our actions, even when those actions don't seem to amount to more than simply saying, this is how I'm called to live. Um, and uh, one, one of the challenges in, in my discipline, and I think you know, the, the folks have gotten better at, at kind of framing these sorts of things, is, okay, well, the world is ending. Great. Uh, what should I do about it personally um, is having actual practical things that individuals can do, especially in the context of North America, right? Because one of the things that I found as I started to care about the environment um, in, in, a, in a practical way was that it's not just a you and me problem. It's not just a personal brokenness problem. Um, it's, it's a systems or broken sort of problem, right? So it's uh, kind of framing from Brian Fickert's idea of you know, the, the completeness of brokenness. And, and the creation itself is broken. I think that you know, when it comes to these challenging issues where we don't really know if we're making a big difference or it feels like you know, our individual efforts are going to amount to nothing, it's helpful for me to remember that if what I'm doing imitates a redemptive process, it's very likely um, a good thing. And if it points to the overall redemptive work that Christ is doing, then I think that that is um, a really good practice for Christians to be in. I, I really love what you're saying, and it and it, uh, it it so we we don't want to replace the gospel, which is not what you're saying, um, but. Our responsibilities to the environment parallel our responsibility to share the gospel. In the same way that we're called to uh, go and make disciples of all nations, you and I personally aren't going to succeed in that mission, but we're called to work at it anyway, knowing that Christ ultimately makes it possible, Mm -hmm. working through, in and through his image bearer. In that same way, the restoration of the created order is something that we get to play some part in, um, I believe, uh, either as simply uh, reflecting how we'll live in the coming age or in in living in a way that's, that's honoring Christ in spite of the fact that doing that materially is not going to solve the problem itself. A lot of this stuff is, um, it's complicated. You know, it is and it isn't. I think some people will find it a little bit more challenging than others, and that's okay. I think that that's what a liberal arts education does, is we consider ideas and we are challenged by them. So with that in mind, what do you uh, look forward to most about the upcoming Respublica lectures? I'm really excited for this lecture series, uh, mostly because 
it's more of this. I, I think students and whoever's coming to this should expect to be uncomfortable in, in a good way. Um, I, I think these, these are complex issues. For, for better or for worse, they have become controversial in the minds of the public. Um, and this is a really good forum not to acquire more ammunition, but to seek truth in whatever form it takes on a major issue facing the whole of creation. It's, it's not the only thing that matters, but I think it does matter, um, and we're not talking about it enough. From Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together, the classic exploration of Christian community, there is a kind of listening with half an ear that presumes already to know what the other person has to say. It is an impatient, inattentive listening. Secular education today is aware that often a person can be helped merely by having someone who will listen to him seriously. But Christians have forgotten that the ministry of listening has been committed to them by him who is himself the great listener and whose work they should share. We should listen with the ears of God that we may speak the word of God. This year's Res Publica lectures will take place on January 11th and 12th, 2019. Dr. Mark Holtzapel and Dr. Micah Green, both of the Department of Chemical Engineering at Texas A&M University, will challenge the Covenant College community to examine global warming and the resulting climate change from the following perspectives. Science, engineering, economics, business, religion, politics, and sociology. Using Christian views on environmental stewardship as their framework, their lectures will help fellow believers create well-informed personal views on climate change and determine where they belong in the spectrum of Christian responses. You've been listening to Viewpoints, the official storytelling series of Covenant College, where we discuss some of the ideas and events that shape the educational experience at Covenant and how those experiences might pertain to the Christian life. Viewpoints is produced by the marketing team at Covenant College, Shannon Moore, Tad Everett, and the Covenant College Street Team, comprised of students committing to telling the stories of Covenant College. Covenant College is a Christian liberal arts and science institution dedicated to exploring and expressing the preeminence of Christ in all things. The views expressed in this series represent the individuals interviewed and are not necessarily endorsed by the college.